You guys good tonight? You guys good? All right. You want to get right into the word of God? Just, um, I'm picking up where I left off last week. And uh, just do a really quick recap, and then we'll get right into it. I have my PowerPoint working tonight, so I'm happy about that. Glory. So um, uh, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Really quick, we're just going to read verses 4 through 11. And um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. Now, I've been talking about the, um, the importance of, especially in, in leaders, to understand the spirits that operate through individuals and, um, you know, can even sometimes operate through you if you're, not, if you're not careful. But I want to get just a little bit more into it. I've been talking about the discerning of spirits and why that's important. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Verses 4 through 11, it says there, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit, and there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. Bottom line is, the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, but they all have different administrations, right? Still one Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. It says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. Now, I talked about all this last week. You can listen to it on the podcast if you want to get more information on what these spiritual gifts are. But there are nine spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit produces in believers. And the Bible says that he gives them severally as he will, which simply means that everybody doesn't have every gift. You know, they may operate in certain gifts, but not all of them at one time. Jesus was the only one that had the fullness of the Spirit operating through him. He had every spiritual gift operating through him at one time. But it says, um, for to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy. And what I want to talk about tonight was to another discerning of spirits. And goes on to say to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one by in the self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. So he divides these gifts up and begins to distribute them as he as he decides to do it. But um, tonight I really wanted to talk about the discerning of spirits. Oh yeah, I like that. So y'all catch that. That was good, right? So I just put it last week I spoke about the importance of having spiritual discernment and the discerning of spirits, especially as leaders. At that time, I defined discernment as the ability to be able to perceive, spiritually speaking, safety or danger. It's the ability to look at a situation without even having all of the facts and knowing whether or not to proceed with the matter. This particularly is dealing with situations where you have to make an important or critical decision. And I gave you an example of that last week uh, when the Apostle Paul was about to, he was, on his, uh, he was on his way to Rome. He was in prison on his way to Rome. And in the spirit, he picked up and he said, he said, I perceive that this journey is going to be with great loss of not only, you know, the ship and its cargo, but also our lives. But the Bible says, so he picked it up in the spirit and he discerned it by the spirit that this was a wrong action. But the Bible says that the people that were on the ship believed what the captain of the ship was saying and the owner of the ship and rather than what Paul was saying. And as a result, I mean, as soon as the Bible says the south wind blew softly, in other words, it seemed like everything was good. As soon as they set out, disaster hit. And, and the Bible says that they lost the ship. They lost the cargo on the ship. And they almost lost their lives. The only reason why they didn't lose their lives is because the apostle Paul was on that ship. But he picked it up in the spirit or he discerned it. So you need to be able to discern danger. You know, rather not a, 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 a you know, something that you're about to do is safe or not safe. You need to be able to 
Listen to the Holy Spirit as he's beginning to talk to you to let you know this is not a right course of action for you. So you need, need the discerning of the need to, to have spiritual discernment when it comes to situation, but also people, you know, dealing with individuals. So um, we just read that, but the discerning of spirits is one of the nine spiritual gifts given to the believer by the Holy Spirit, right? It is when a person can look into the spirit and see what type of spirit is operating through another person. For example, you, you, you may just meet a person for the first time and you don't know anything about that person. They haven't said or done anything wrong. They look like a good person. They're saying and doing all of the right things. They appear to be sincere. But something on the inside is telling you that something's not right with them. See, that's, that's God trying to speak to you. And I put here, see, it's not a good idea to override that feeling. Because sometimes we override that feeling. Because we allow desire to override what the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to us. And I put here, see, it, it may be God telling you something about this individual. And at the very least, you should move with extreme caution with dealing with that individual. Don't ignore the feeling because God may just be trying to warn you, right? And um, see, I gave this little illustration here. See this, this little girl, you know, she has this smiling face mask. You know, but behind that mask, you know, is some demonic stuff going on. And so you have to be able to look past the mask and see what's working behind that individual. Now, an example of that I gave last week was in Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 18. And I'm going to go through this real quick because I want to get into my word for this week. But in Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 18, it says, And it came to pass as, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying, or she was a fortune teller. And it says, the same followed Paul and us and cried saying, these men are the servants of the most high God. See, saying all the right things. Which show unto us the way of salvation. <laughs> and this did she many days. So every day she keeps coming out. These are holy men of God showing us the way of salvation. You know, saying all the right stuff. Every day doing this. And it says, but Paul being grieved. See, he picked up on the inside that even though she was saying the right stuff, something ain't right here. So it says, Paul being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, not to the girl, to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And the Bible says, and he came out the same hour. See, here it is. She's saying all the right stuff. She's praising them every day. She's telling them all the right stuff. So you got to be careful when people, you know, particularly when people are praising, you got to be careful, man. You know, make sure that it's a right spirit behind that, that praise. Sometimes people just be trying to butter you up. Careful when, oh, you look so beautiful. Oh, my God, you're gorgeous, you know. Be careful, man. You know, it's not always like that. But see, you got to be able to pick up if something ain't right, you know. Somebody tried to pick my mother up recently. <laughs> they tried to pick her up, you know. And she sensed in the spirit, this guy ain't right, man. <laughs> but you got to be able to pick it up in the spirit, man. You can't, you know, just because somebody tell you you're beautiful and, you know, and you're smart and all of this stuff. You better make sure. You better check on the inside. See, she did every day. She's doing this every day. But Paul just picked that thing up. He was, he was grieved. See, when she, when she said it, even though she was saying the right things, it grieved him. You know, it's like, mm, you know, this ain't right, man. You know, she's saying all the right stuff, but it's just, it's just what's coming behind it. See, he wasn't listening to the words. He was listening to the spirit that was coming behind those words, and it grieved him. Every day, he's just getting grieved, and does, sooner or later, he just got tired of it and just cast that devil out of her. And see, she had a spirit of divination on her. She was a fortune teller, you know, and she was and, and you know, they got in trouble for that. But bottom line is, you know, you got to be very careful when you deal with stuff like that. And that's what here. See, notice that the, this woman is saying all the right things. She said, these are the servants of the most high God which show us unto us the way of salvation. But Paul recognized that a demonic and a deceitful spirit was operating through and behind her. 
And I put it here, see, we all need to have this gift. See, oftentimes we fall for a person that has that says all the right words, but have a demonic spirit that's in operation behind them. They tell you that you're beautiful and that they love you, but it's really a deceitful spirit. And this is how so many people get their heart broken. They don't realize that they're in a relationship with the devil. <laughs> Why? Because they said all the right words. Said everything right. But you need to be able to discern through this spiritual gift whether or not that person is true or false with what they're saying and what they're doing. I remember um, there was a, I had this story about this um, guy was sweet talking this girl, you know, and they got, they got married quick. And on the honeymoon, he, he laid back, he said, that's it, quit my job and um, you're gonna take care of me. <laughs> my, my God, man. She got that marriage and no, by the time she got back to, to wherever she was at on that honeymoon. <laughs> but you know, see, that's why I always tell people, when you're dealing with your own relationships, man, you gotta, you gotta deal with people for, for a while. I don't marry people that try to get married quick. How long you knew the guy? Two weeks. I'm not marrying you. <laughs> I always say my rule of thumb anyway. I say you need to know the person at least a year. At least, at least be in relationship for a year with them. Because you got to give, see, because everybody got, everybody wears the mask. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how beautiful you are as a person. Everybody got a mask on. Because nobody shows, because everybody got faults. And nobody wants to show you those faults when they first meet you. Everybody's on their best behavior. So you gotta give, you have to give it time for that other person to come out. And everybody got a, you know, my pastor uses everybody got an evil twin. And you gotta give yourself an opportunity to meet that evil twin. Because you know, then you can really determine, do I wanna put up with this? For the rest of my life, maybe? So anyway, that's not my message. But, you know, just be very careful, you know, when you're dealing in relationships. And I can go for it, not just, you know, uh, romantic relationships. It could be friendships. It could be business relationships. You know what I'm saying? Whenever you're dealing with another person, you got to be listening with your spiritual ears. You know, because people can be out there trying to take advantage of you or to deceive you. You know, so you got to see that person behind the mask. All right. And we're about to get into some things, but I wanted to mention this before I did that, uh, which is really uh, other reasons for, you know, having the discernment of spirit in operation. And I swear to you, you know, before I, before I get started with this week's message, I just want to mention um, that the discerning of spirits is not just to help you to determine whether or not somebody is good or bad. It's not just for that. Um, it's also to help you identify where, with where a person is at. Now remember, the spiritual gift helps you look behind the mask and see the real person, right? Therefore, when someone is smiling on the outside, but crying on the inside, this gift will help you to see that as well. You know, There are so many people hiding behind the mask of a smile that are really depressed and possibly even suicidal on the inside. We've seen so many people, even uh, actors that have you know, committed suicide. They were comedians and stuff like that, smiling on the outside. But on the inside, they were ready, ready to give it up. You know, so this spiritual gift helps you see that as well. And without this gift, you'll never be able to pick that up. And, uh, and I just put too many people nowadays are suffering in silence. And we need to be, we need to hear their spiritual cry. So um, the discerning experience is not just, you know, this person's good, this person's bad. It's also, you know, when you're sitting next to your brothers and sisters, you know, they're smiling. Hey, God bless you. Hallelujah. You know, but on the inside, they may be crying. They may be battling with some stuff. And some people are really good at hiding how they really feel was really on the inside. But do this gift. You got to be able to pick that up, you know, so that you can be there to help that person. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I just wanted to kind of throw that inside there so that you have that understanding. Um, but this week I want to get into, now I want to get into my message. So turn.
turn into turn to first Kings chapter 16. Now we're going to start dealing with the first person or spirit that I want to uh, talk about. Can you turn the fan on? I'm frying, please. I'm like frying in here, man. I need some help. Just for a little bit. If you guys get cold, I'll turn it off. I know I got the ladies in here. You guys get cold fast. But I just need a little, I need a little air. Jesus. This completes my look. <laughs> I need my jacket on. <laughs> but if it gets cold, I'll turn it off. Okay, so the first spirit, right, that I want to deal with. Now, you see this, right? I put the little wolf and sheep clothing at the uh, thing. You see that in the corner? The wolf and sheep clothing. Now, this is the first spirit I want to deal with, right? The Jezebel spirit. But you can't talk about the Jezebel spirit without talking about the Ahab spirit. And I, I'm going to get into this, you know. Can I take my, my time a little bit with this? Because I got a lot to share with you tonight. But 1 Kings chapter 16 Verses 31 through 34. Now it says there, it says, I'm reading in the Amplified, it says, It came about as if it had been a trivial thing for Ahab to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he married Jezebel. <laughs> now, first, let me just start with this. So Ahab, first he started out with walking in the sins of Jeroboam. Now, now Jeroboam, was the king that immediately followed uh, King Solomon. So Solomon was the king and his son was Rehoboam. And Rehoboam was supposed to take over the whole kingdom, but because of the sin of Solomon at the end of his life, he started you know, messing around and worshiping other gods and messing around and stuff like that. So God said he was gonna divide the kingdom from him. And so his son Rehoboam takes over. And now Jeroboam was he fled to Egypt for fear of Solomon. But when he died, he came back. And uh, when Rehoboam was taking over the kingdom, he, uh, he consulted with, you know, the people that, that were Solomon's uh, counselors about how he should deal with the people because they came to him and they said, look, you know, lighten the burden that your father put on us and we'll serve you. But he said, uh, he, went to his, he went to his father's counselors and spoke to them, the older men. And they said, well, you know, if you be kind to them, you speak kindly to them, you know, and you do them right, they'll serve you forever. But he rejected that counsel. And the Bible says that he consulted with his friends, people that he grew up with, younger people. And he asked them, you know, what should I do? And he said, you, you need to tell them <laughs> that uh, my, my little finger is thicker than my father's loins, which is your, your waist area. You know? He said, tell him that he chastised you with whips, but we're going to chastise you with scorpions. <laughs> so he listened to this counsel, you know, and when they came back, he said, you know, this one, I'm, he said, you told me to make your burden lighter. I'm, I'm going to make it harder. <laughs> and uh, the Bible says that, that when they heard this, now Jeroboam was leading them as they were doing this. And uh, Jeroboam and them said, well, then we're out of here. You know, David, see to, your own, see to your own camp. You know, so, and that's when the kingdom separated. And Jeroboam was over the 10, uh, ten tribes. And Rehoboam was left with, with Judah and Benjamin. And then, of course, the Levites. Now, um, what Jeroboam did, now, then when, you, when you hear the sins of Jeroboam, this is what happened. When Jeroboam took over the kingdom, he said, now, the worship center is in the, the city of David. So when the people start leaving from here and going there to worship God, they're going to leave me and they're going to go back to King Rehoboam. So he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, he started his own worship. He erected two, two calves and he put these calf gods one was in Bethel, and I believe these were very strategically placed. One was in Bethel, which is in the Hebrew, the house of God, right? So he had a calf God there, and he had another calf God in Dan. And Dan means uh, 
he shall judge. Right? So that's the judicial area. You know, so and you have it, you have this idolatry in both the judicial system and you have it in the house of God. Two very, you know, so they begin to worship these calf gods. And he says, look, these are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. And what happens is they don't no longer go to the temple that Solomon created and worship there. They worship in either Bethel or Dan to these, these false calf gods. And then Jeroboam gets rid of all of the priests that are Levites. He gets rid of all of them and he begins to make priests out of anybody. He makes his own priests. And then they begin to worship these false gods. And that's how idol worship really began in Israel. So anyway, now the Bible says that he followed. Now, he said if it was as if it had been a trivial thing for him to follow in all of these sins, he also married Jezebel. Now, Jezebel, she was the chief priestess of Baal worship. And the Bible says that, that, um, that she was the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Sidonians, and he was the chief priest of Baal worship. And the Bible says, so he married her, and then he went and served Baal and worshipped him. So he erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, uh, which he built in Samaria. Ahab also made the Asherah. Now I'm going to get into all of this in a second. So that you guys, when you read the Bible, I want you to understand what you're looking at when they start talking about this stuff. And, uh, and the Bible says, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all kings of Israel who were before him. I mean, he was the most wicked king that, that, that Israel ever had. And he was married to the most wicked woman that, uh, you know, that the Bible ever talks about. So just to give you a little background. Here's a little background on the gods that these guys were worshiping. Um, first of all, Asherah. Now you'll hear about the Asherah. They keep setting up this Asherah. It's really oftentimes it's a pole, right? A wood pole. And um, now she's the goddess of fertility. And um, she was said to be married to El, which is the chief god of the Canaanites. Now Asherah supposedly had numerous children from this false god El. Among their, them were Yam, the god of the seas and rivers, Mat, the god of death in the underworld, and Anat, a goddess known as a warrior maiden. Now Baal, he was, uh, we hear a great deal about him in the Bible, a, a whole lot about him. He was the storm god, and he was a fertility god. And he was also one of the sons of Asherah, but also, on top of that, he was Asherah was his mistress. So she was his mother and his mistress. <laughs> Crazy, man. Now I just want you to understand the type of gods that these people were worshiping. Now, he's also said to be fathered by the god Dagon. Now you remember hearing about Dagon, right? Dagon is the god of the Philistines. And the Bible says that when, when, um, the Philistines captured the Ark. They put the Ark of the Covenant inside the, the house of, of Dagon. And, and the next day when they came in, and Dagon was on his face before the, before the Ark of God. And then it says that, now you, you guys want to see this real quick? Yeah? 1 Samuel chapter 5. Let's just look at it real quick. Because you guys are looking at me like, I never heard that story before. First Samuel chapter 5. Now this is when the Philistines capture the ark. Uh, first Samuel chapter 5 verse 1. It says, Then the Philistines took the ark of God and they brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. They took the ark of God and brought it into the house of Dagon and set it beside the image of Dagon, their chief idol. And it said, and when the people of Ashdod got up early in the next day, behold, Dagon had fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. It says, so they took Dagon and they returned him to his place. So he was on the floor. They picked him up and put him back where he was before, right? 
But when he got up early the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord, and his hands and his head and both palms of his hands were lying cut off on the threshold. <laughs> I mean, God was tearing that their false God up, man. And it said only the trunk portion of Dagon was left on him. <laughs> God tore him up. And it said, this is the reason neither the priests of Dagon nor any who enter into Dagon's house step on the threshold hold of Dagon and Ashdod to this day. And it says, then the hand of the Lord was heavy on the people of Ashdod. And he caused them to be dumbfounded and struck with tumors. Now, some people say that these tumors were hemorrhoids. <laughs> God, God gave these people hemorrhoids. And there was no preparation age. <laughs> says that he gave these people tumors, you know. Both Ashdod and his territory. <laughs> and it says when the men of Ashdod saw what happened, they said, the ark of God of Israel must not remain with us, for his hand is heavy on us and on our and on Dagon, our God. Right? I mean, he's tearing us up, you know. So they sent word and gathered all the lords and governors of the Philistines and said to them, what shall we do with the ark of God of Israel? And they answered, let the ark of God be brought around to Gath. Now, all of these are Philistine Philistine uh, um, cities, right? So they're in Ashdod. Gath is where Goliath was born, right? Goliath of Gath, right? So they said, well, let's get it out of Ashdod and let's take it to Gath, right? So they, they take it to another. It's like, all right, let's get it out of, out of West Orange. Let's put it in Orange. You know, let's just get it out of here, you know? So they move it. And, um, and, they, and so they moved it to Gath, so they took the Ark of Israel there, but it happened that after they had taken it to Gath, the hand, of, the hand of the Lord was against the city, causing an extremely great panic because of the deaths from the plague. For he struck the people of the city, both young and old, with tumors, and it broke out on them. So they sent the Ark to Ekron. <laughs> so they moved it from Ashdod to Gath, and now they're taking it to Ekron. So they're just moving it from city, Philistine city to city, just trying to get rid of it. And, um, and as the ark came to Ekron, the Ekronites cried out, they have brought the ark of God of Israel from Gath to us to kill us and our people. So they sent word and gathered all the Philistines and said, send away the ark back to Israel. Let it be returned to his own place so they will not kill us and our people. For there was a deadly panic throughout the city. The hand of God was very heavy and severe. And the men who had, had uh, not died were stricken with tumor, tumors and hemorrhoids. And, cry, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. <laughs> if you ever had one, you know how they was crying. <laughs> no relief. <laughs> So anyway, this is the this Dagon is supposed to be the god that fathered Baal, you know. So Baal, and so uh, 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 so you know you have Dagon, you have Asherah, and now you have Baal. Now, if you do a study on this, eventually Baal becomes who we who we know as as um, uh, in Greek mythology he becomes Zeus. He, the name just changes. But he's the primary God. He, was, he is said to be the, uh, the chief God, the prince God, because he defeated all of these other gods, apparently, you know. So anyway, um, let me go on. Now, he's designated as the universal God of fertility. And in that capacity, his title was prince or lord of the earth, which is what his name means. Baal means lord, right? He was also called, called the Lord of rain and dew, which is the two forms of moisture that were indispensable for fertile soil in Canaan. I'm, I'm, I'm going through this because I want you to understand why the people of Israel began to worship these people, right? Or these gods. Now, real quick, let me just, um, let me show you this and then I'll, uh, I'll move on to Jezebel and stuff like that. But I wanted to just show you this. I've been doing some research on this. It's real crazy, man. 
So um, this is very important to understand about Israel. See, they developed their faith in the wilderness, right? Abraham lived in the Najib or the desert, right? Where God made his covenant. Moses met God in the burning bush in the desert. And um, God spoke to his people on Mount Sinai and reestablished his covenant with them, right? So throughout the Israelites' 40-year journey in the wilderness, God accompanied them, protected them, fed them, and guided them to the promised land. So there was no doubt to them that God was the God of the wilderness, right? He can take care of you when you're in the wilderness, right? So that was their understanding of who God was. He protected us these 40 years. He brought us out of Egypt, and now he's bringing us into a good land, right? So now you have these fertility gods. You have Baal, you have Asherah, who are the, these gods of fertility. Now, they understood God to be a God of, our God to be a God of the wilderness, but now they're not in the wilderness anymore. They are in fertile land. And they are transitioning from shepherds to farmers, right? And the Canaanites are saying, these are the gods, you know, Baal and Asherah, these are the gods that help keep our lands fertile. And so because of that, they say, well, it may make sense for us to worship these gods because we know our God can take care of us in the wilderness, but we may need these other gods help to take care of us in this uh, fertile land that we're in. So this is really uh, some, some wild stuff, but I'll just give you a couple of things. So this is how they worshiped, you know, um, of course, Baal worshippers appeased him by offering sacrifices, usually animals such as sheep and bulls and stuff like that. Now, the Asherah was worshipped in many different ways. Now, she becomes the Greek god Aphrodite, the goddess of love, right? So she was worshipped in various ways, including ritual sex. And although she was believed to be Baal's mother, she was also his mistress. So pagans practice what is called sympathetic magic. That is, they believe they could influence the God's actions by performing the behavior they wish their gods to demonstrate. So believing the sexual union of Baal and Asherah produced fertility. So they believed when they came together and they did their thing, fertility was released so that they can have healthy crops. Crazy, man. So, believing that the sexual union of Baal and Asherah produced fertility, their worshippers engaged in immoral sex to cause the gods to join together, ensuring good harvest. Crazy. This practice became the basis for religious prostitution. The priest or male member of the community represented Baal, and the priestess or female member of the community represented Asherah. And, um, and of course, in this way, of course, of course, now you understand why, why God wasn't, was, was really against all of this practice. So, you know, this is the crazy stuff that was going on, but they believe, they see, that's why God told them, get rid of everybody, you know, because of all of these practices, he says, I'm putting these people out of your, the land before you because they're doing all of this stuff. I'm getting them rid of them. Now, don't start practicing that stuff. Get, get, them out, get rid of them. Destroy all of their gods, you know, so you don't start running after them. So now they, they, they're introduced to all of this. See, I want you to understand, you know, the kind of crazy worship that was going on underneath their reign. Now, this is widely practiced now. I mean, they, uh, Jezebel and Ahab opened up the door for this to be widely practiced throughout Israel. And then she she kills all of God's prophets, most of God's prophets. And then this becomes the ritual of the nation. Now let me get into this. Now, are you guys getting something out of this? A little while, right? But you guys are getting something, right? Now, in 1 Kings chapter 21 verses 25 to 26, it says there that there certainly was no one like Ahab 
who sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, incited him. And the Bible says he acted very repulsively in following idols in accordance with everything that Amorites had done, whom the Lord expelled from the land before the sons of Israel. Now, let's just talk about this real quick. Now, see, I have this thing here, right? Now, again, I mentioned that you can't talk about the Jezebel spirit without talking about the spirit of Ahab, right? The bottom line with Ahab or this, see, Jezebel needs an Ahab. Let me first say this. The Jezebel spirit is not, uh, um, it's not a gender thing. This is not a woman spirit. You know, this can be a male or a woman that's operating in the spirit. And same thing with Ahab. This is not, this is not a spirit that, that is just, you know, male or female either. But Jezebel needs an Ahab. The reason why is this. Jezebel doesn't have power. Or in this case, right, Jezebel had no power. Ahab did because Ahab was the king of Israel. So he had the power, right? He had the authority. But Jezebel needs an Ahab because Ahab is uh, a Jezebel spirit always seeks someone that's that's weak. That has authority, but is weak so that they can manipulate them for their own personal agenda. So she begins to manipulate him. And through the manipulation, she takes control of the kingdom. She's the person that's in power, even though she really has no power. So I'm going to give you an example of that. Now, in 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 5 through 10, it says this. Now, Ahab wants this piece of property. So he talks to this guy and um, he says to him, you know, let me have this property, you know, and I'll give you a property that's better. And the guy says, you know, I can't, I can't give you my property because, you know, it's a part of my ancestral inheritance. You know, they weren't supposed to give up their inheritance, you know, that God gave them. King or not, they were supposed to give it up. So he gets upset. He goes home and he just, he looks depressed and he doesn't eat and stuff like that. And so in 1 Kings chapter 21 verses 5 through 10, it says, Then Jezebel, his wife, came to him and asked him, Why is your spirit so troubled that you have not eaten? And he said to her, because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and said to him, give me your vineyard for money, or if you prefer, I will give you another vineyard for it. But he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. <laughs> and Jezebel's wife said, do you, do you now reign over Israel? And he says, get up, eat food, and let your heart rejoice. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. And so this is, see, this is how the spirit of Jezebel operates. Now check this out. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. See, again, she has no authority. So Ahab has the authority because he's the king. So she wrote letters, but she did it in his name. And she sealed it with his seal as if he was the one that was doing it. See, that's what the spirit of Jezebel will begin to do. He tries to latch on to someone that has authority and someone that has power, manipulate them, and then begin to rule and use their power. Right? Somebody comes, you know, well, so-and-so, you know, so-and-so said. They don't have no power. They know that that person has power, so they manipulate it and they use that power to their benefit to get people to do what they want to do. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and sent them to the elders and nobles who lived with Naboth in the city. And it said, now in the letter she wrote, proclaim a fast and seat Naboth at the head of the, of the people and seat two worthless and unprincipled men opposite him and have them testify against them saying, you cursed God and the king. And then take him out and stone him to death. Now, the Bible says that out of the mouth of two witnesses, let every word be established. So it was, it was, they had to have two people. But see, she get two unprincipled people, two worthless people that will, that will lie and say that he, he cursed God and the king. 
And then when the people heard that, they took him and they stoned him to death. And then she came back and she said, okay, go get your vineyard, it's yours now. After they murdered this guy. Crazy man. So now, I put here, see, the Jezebel spirit is a spirit of manipulation and of witchcraft. Now the ultimate purpose of witchcraft is to take control over someone else's will. People that have a, this spirit look to manipulate people for the purpose of controlling them. Now these people will entice you to do the wrong thing. Now this scripture sums up the spirit of Jezebel and how it works. And again, I say person because the spirit of Jezebel again has no gender. It could be male or female. A person that flows in the spirit seeks to control someone that has power and authority so they can use that person's power and authority for their benefit. We see here that Jezebel was married to the king, to King Ahab, and she incited him and negatively influenced him to meet her needs and to fulfill her agenda. Now, a lot of things got accomplished through this. You know, um, again, a lot of the prophets of God were killed. Now, when right after, you know, she comes up against Elijah, the prophet. Now, once he, he, he kills all 450 prophets of Baal, you know, he tears them up. And then the Bible says that Jezebel says to him, you know, may God do more to me uh, and more also if I don't make you like one of those prophets by tomorrow. She says, I'm going to kill you like you killed those prophets. And the Bible says that he took off, he took off running it. Because she had the whole backing of the king's army behind her. She had, to, she had the whole kingdom behind her because she had manipulated uh, Ahab into allowing her to do whatever she wanted to do. And um, again, she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed it with his seal. And when she did this, it was like Ahab himself did it. In other words, she was exercising the king's authority through the power of his name and his seal. She didn't have any power or authority, Ahab did. She used his power and authority to take control of his kingdom. And that's how that spirit begins to operate. Again, that person doesn't have any authority so they seek to manipulate a weaker individual so they can use their power and their authority that they have. So, if you read the story of Ahab and Jezebel, you see that Ahab, that, um, Jezebel manipulated him throughout his entire rule. By doing so, she was more in charge than, than he was. He was the figurehead of power, but she controlled the power by controlling him. So I put here, see, if you have any authority or influence, you always, always got to watch out for a Jezebel spirit. Be careful of people that try to manipulate you and to control you for their own benefit. Especially when you have authority that they don't have. A spirit of Jezebel uh, could just be operating through them. So, you know, you see some things here. They seek out other individuals they feel are weaker to control and influence and dominate. Has an unnatural sense of self-importance. Requires attention and excessive admiration. Uh, they show arrogant, haughty behaviors or attitudes. You know, so these are some of the... the some of the things that you'll find in a person that is operating in this spirit. And then again, Ahab, you know, bottom line with him is he's just, he's just susceptible to someone that has a little more uh, charisma than he does. He's, he's, he's susceptible to that. He's a weaker individual and he allows himself to be manipulated. So you got to watch out for this stuff in your life, in leadership. I, you know, I've seen, I've seen this happen so often, you know, people will try to act like, you know, have you ever dealt with people that act like they were the boss? But they did so because they had the favor of the boss. And everybody knew they did. So they were like, I'm not going to mess with them because I know that, you know, if I mess with them, I might, I might not have no job. So they allow that people to get away with, that person to get away with whatever. But if they're not the boss. They don't really have authority, but they have authority through their relationship. So you see this at the end of Jezebel's life. As soon as Ahab is killed, that's it. You know, Jehu comes in, who becomes the next king. He comes in 
And he says, you know, if you're on my side, throw her down. They, they threw her out the window. <laughs> I mean, they threw her right out the window. But she had no more authority. After, after Ahab died, she had no more authority. Because all of her authority was through him. So once he died, she had nothing else. And they threw her butt right out the window, right, right down to him. By the time before she hit the ground, she was dead. So bottom line is, you know, especially as a leader, you can't tolerate this spirit. And now God warns against the toleration of the spirit. Now in Revelation uh, chapter 2, verses 18 through 23, he begins to talk about this. Jesus begins to talk about this. And it says, um, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira, right? These are the words of the son of God who has eyes that flash like a flame of fire and righteous judgment and whose feet are like burnished bronze. And he says, I know your deeds, your love and faith and servant, service and patient endurance, and that your last deeds are more numerous and greater than the first. He says, but I have this charge against you that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess claiming to be inspired and she teaches and misleads my bond servants so that they commit acts of sexual immorality and eat food sacrificed to idols. Remember, she worshiped Baal and Asherah. So they were all into this lewd sex stuff, you know. And he says, and I gave her time to repent, to change her inner self and her sinful way of thinking, but she has no desire to repent of her immorality and refuses to do so. And he says, listen carefully, I will throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her, I will bring into great anguish unless they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children or the, her followers with pestilence, thoroughly annihilating them and all the churches will know without any doubt that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts and I will give to each one of your reward or punishment according to your deeds. So here we see now this is not Jesus speaking to the woman Jezebel because she's been dead for thousands of years by this time. But he's uh, speaking up to that spirit that's in operation. And, and, and how we should never allow it to operate in the church. Because really he's talking to the church. He ain't talking to the world. Right now, Jesus is now uh, commending and reprimanding the church. And he says to this particular church, you're tolerating that spirit of Jezebel. You're allowing that spirit to have operation in the house of God. And he says, you can't tolerate that. You, can, you cannot tolerate uh, manipulation and someone trying to, you know, usurp authority and trying to, you know, take over leadership through manipulation. So be very careful when you see, and, and, and don't allow this stuff to happen in you because it can happen in, in, in you. Even as, a, even as a, a beautiful person, it can begin to happen. You start getting, you know, you start having some authority or you are close to someone that has authority. You can easily start beginning to flow in this without even realizing it. Starting to manipulate other people and trying to get them to do things that, that you want them to do. Not this best for the house or the ministry, or, but because you want them to do it. So you can't allow that thing to start operating in you. So that's the spirit of Jezebel. Now I'm not going to go no further tonight. I took up a lot of time getting through that. And now I'm going to be talking, I'm going to be talking like this about, you know, I got many more spirits that begin to flow and operate through people. And you, I'm teaching this because I want you to be able to pick it up when you see it. See, when you see it now, I don't want you to be thinking, oh, it's a man, so it's not Jezebel's spirit. Oh, it could be. I've met men that got a Jezebel spirit on them. They try to, you know, uh, use the authority that someone else has, but they don't have that authority. But they just try to, you know, they because they know the person or are cool with the person or, you know, their friend. They try, they try to, 
use that authority on other people that they don't own is someone else's so you just have to kind of be careful when you see that in operation you gotta you gotta eye that and make sure that you know you don't tolerate it or allow it to happen in you so anyway next week i'm gonna talk about the spirit of delilah <laughs> but there's a lot of you know a lot of these things going on you know and again, I don't want you to start thinking about, you know, men, women and stuff like that. Again, this is no gender. This is just, these are demonic spirits that operate for people. They're, they're demonic. They can get in in anybody and begin to start operating. So anyway, I'm going to um, I'm gonna get into that next week. But um, I'll close with that tonight. But I really just want to kind of get us ready so that when we start seeing stuff like that in operation, especially you guys, I'm trying to train you guys up as leaders. And I want you to recognize when you start seeing people operate in certain ways. And uh, that's why the discerning of spirits is so important so that you can pick that up when you see it in operation. Amen. Let's lift your hands to Jesus. We're going to close tonight. It's 912. We'll close. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we just thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for educating us. And making us aware of spirits that are in operation. Open up our eyes that we may see into the spirit. Even as you did with Elisha's servant. When he wasn't aware that the mountain was full of fiery chariots that was on their side. Elisha Elijah said, open up his eyes so that he may see. And he was able to see into the spirit. Open up our eyes that we may be able to see through the mass of people and that we pick up immediately what someone is operating in, whether it's a right spirit or a wrong spirit. Give us all that discerning of spirits and give us all spiritual discernment so that we can be able to see behind the veil and see into the spirit and not judge by what we hear or by what we see, but by what we pick up in the spirit. And for it, Father, we just thank you and we bless you. We give you all the glory. We give you praise. We give you honor. We worship you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Come on, let's just give Jesus a praise as we close out tonight.